Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? January 26th edition of the Fightful MMA Podcast. Yours truly, Showdown Joe. You can catch me online via social media at Showdown Joe. Uh, you may have to search the last name Ferraro if you like. You can do that as well. But uh, Thursdays, I'm generally joined by managing editor for Fightful MMA, Fightful Wrestling, Fightful Boxing, Fightful Online, Fightful Anything. Managing editor Sean Ross Sapp. He's also a color commentator in the world of mixed martial arts, part of the Kraken Fight Team, and, of course, an MSU alum. Sean, what's going on, my man? Huh? What? <laughs> what is what? What is going on now? I'm getting rested up, Joe. I gotta. I don't fly a lot. I gotta practice. I'm not like you, okay? I got my nice little pillow here. I can't do the 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 De Niro face like Dwayne Finley of Flow Combat does. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I gotta practice a little bit. I I'm heading out this weekend, and of course. Big, big UFC weekend, big WWE weekend, big independent wrestling weekend. It's pretty crazy, but you know, it's a big fightful weekend too, because look at this bad boy. Oh yeah. And where can I get, first of all, where are you going and where can I get one of those shirts? Even though I'm wearing my boss, my Hugo Boss shirt, it is Man. what it is. I mean, yeah, whatever. I'd I, I like to wear a fightful.com shirt or fightful anything shirt when I do these podcasts. Sure. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Ross Sapp. You can also get Crack and Fight Team Catch Wrestling gear there as well. We have these in short sleeve. We have them in uh, no sleeve. We have them in long sleeve, soft style, all kinds of cool stuff there. I'm going to San Antonio for the Royal Rumble, for NXT TakeOver, for Evolve, where Matt Riddle is wrestling, as well as uh, Fightful's Jason Kincaid. I'm a little bummed I'm going to miss this UFC Denver show because it looks like a fun one. Absolutely. So I have to figure out who my co-host will be on Saturday night. Uh, either that or I fly solo, but I'm sure I'll be able to find uh, someone. A lot of guys do want to join in. Uh, before I get to some of the topics at hand and before we get to this uh, UFC in Denver fight card, uh, Sean Pearson has been very complimentary uh, and lots of jokes regarding your boy, Matt Riddle. Uh, what is going on with that podcast between you two clowns? Because every time I go to Fightful MMA uh, or anything Fightful-related, I see you in some sort of big boss man or some bro podcast. Excuse like, what, what me. doing? Sir, is the big Ross man. Big Ross man. I love it. Okay, go on. This week, it was the bro Alamo because we're going to be in Texas, myself and Matt. I think one week it was Bro Malone because it was Christmas themed, and for and Graham Williams, the guy who does those posters, had us looking in the window at Macaulay Culkin, which kind of made us look like child molesters. To be honest with you, that was so, creepy. That was creepy. That was creepy. That was creepy. But I mean, it's just it's just the best podcast in the world, Joe. No offense to you, but oh wow! When 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 you have co-hosts that give zero number of shits about what's going to happen. Sean, like I said, Sean Pearson left the UFC on a three-fight winning streak. See ya. Bye. I'm on a three-fight winning streak. I'm out of here. Elias Theodoro knows he's too valuable to cut right now. Matt Riddle won four fights in a row and was still cut, so he 
you know what what worse can he do it's it's a fun time well i i I would tend to be careful when you say what else can what else can matt riddle do to get himself in trouble but uh i digress because i'm sure he can what i do want to talk about let's kick things off here uh a press release uh was in our inboxes from bellator mma uh talking about the ratings for tito ortiz versus chael sonnen are you surprised are you saying yeah you know what i saw this coming because i knew people were interested in this fight sean but that's a pretty damn good number not surprised at all uh maybe surprised the number was that big but not surprised that it did a really good number because it's chael sonnen and tito ortiz those names capture the imagination of the casual fan and hey, you know what? They did a great job this time because two million people watched Paul Daly knock out Brennan Ward. And not enough can be said about that. That was a quick, awesome knockout from an always exciting fighter. You can put Paul Daly in there with anybody, and if they are willing, he will have an exciting fight with them. And now a lot of people know who Paul Daly is. Just like last week, a lot of people came to know who Yair Rodriguez was. Um, I think it was good. I think it was an excellent move. Good stuff from Bellator. And you know, they got the King Mo Rampage thing. And, you know, a lot of us are groaning. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But depending on who's on the card, a lot of people are going to know some of those undercard guys as well. In terms of the actual main event between Tito Ortiz and Chael Sonnen, obviously uh, the word fix is thrown around social media when it comes to mixed martial arts, uh, worse than a hashtag. I mean, it's just, just fix this, fix that, blah, blah, blah. Big John McCarthy's laughing at these people saying he'd love to put all those people yelling fix and all the doubters in that exact same submission hold that Tito Ortiz had on Chael Sonnen. Now, we will say this. Uh, earlier this week on the Fightful MMA podcast, we heard people saying, or some of my guests are saying, look, Chael Sonnen, at times, looks for a way out in fights. Um, they could, they they hearkened over to Anderson Silva. Um, you know, he, he does have a submission game, but if he can get any excuse to to leave a fight, he will do it. Uh, that was not a rear naked choke, uh, but his face did go purple. There was some pressure. There was some pain there. The fact that he got taken down so easily was sort of oh my god. But in terms of what you saw in that fight, there obviously Chael Sonnen not looking like he should have looked like he trained for a fight. Uh, he looked, you know out of shape, I guess you could say, but your assessment of that. Uh, I don't think he's going to be beating Gary Tonin at Submission Underground, I'll tell you that much, Um, (laughs) because he stepped in to face him. I hate the fight-fixing allegations. Like, the far-reaching implications of fixing a fight at that level. Well, one, you think anybody related to Tito's camp can keep their mouth shut about anything, much less a fight-fix? That's absurd. That's that's offensive. It's reckless. I hate it. I have to address stuff like this on my personal Facebook all the time. Oh, do you think that fight was fixed? No, I don't think the damn fight was fixed. I think that a 42-year-old and a 39-year-old went in there with diminished skills, and they had a fight that reflected those diminished skills. I had that a lot with the Kimbo-Ken Shamrock fight. I was like, you thought that Ken Shamrock was close to finishing that choke? He had a Roddy Piper 1989 sleeper hold on Kimbo <laughs> Slice. That was not a rear naked choke. Like I, I don't, I don't understand it. I do you remember when when Absolute Scrubs said that about Anderson Silva and Forrest Griffin? Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. So they fixed the fight so a much bigger, more popular. Ultimate fighter winner, American English speaking guy would get his ass embarrassed and run out of the cage. Yeah, just how you'd want to script it. If Vince McMahon were in charge, just how he'd script that. Just have your have one of your golden boys embarrassed on TV. Yeah, this one, okay, have one of your golden boys embarrassed by a guy who says he's never gonna fight again. I don't know. Like the, the momentum in this shifted for me. When I saw Chael Sonnen at the weigh-ins, he looked horrible. He looked like a guy who was there to collect a paycheck. And hey, that's he what is, everyone is saying. He's there to collect a paycheck. That takedown by Tito Ortiz, and I was like, "What is happening here, Chael Sonnen? What are you doing?" Yeah, that was a sad state of affairs. Now, like, I think it was Jimmy Smith that said, and it wasn't even close. Well, it was a little closer than they would like to have you think. Chael Sonnen swept him a much larger Tito Ortiz. And 
went for a choke. But, I mean, let's not pretend like – and it's okay. That's the beauty of Bellator. We don't have to pretend that this was anything more than an over-the-hill, out-of-shape, past-his-prime middleweight that Tito beat. That's okay. That's part of Bellator. And I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it. Sure, it was worth every second that I watched of it. It was worth every second of the coverage that I gave to it. It was fine. But fight-fixing – Reckless and stupid. If you think that, you're an absolute scrub. You're an errand boy. You are a moron. I hate that. I hate it. I we see we saw a guy get submitted with an Ezekiel choke from the bottom a couple weeks ago. That would scream fight fix to me a lot more than what we saw out of Tito and Sonnen, and neither of them were that. So yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not keen on those accusations. I, have, I, I, I laugh at them. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I laugh when I see that kind of stuff there. And I'll tell you when my eye, my thicker eyebrows uh, rise or when I'm like, wait a second, what's going on here? Whenever I get any sort of information or see something online or hear from the grapevine or sources that a when you talk about fixing fights, it's not just necessarily both guys are involved. It's not that the promotion is involved or it's not that somebody is involved. It could just be one person involved. Uh, and it could be that person throwing the fight. Uh, and when I start hearing or seeing or, or potentially getting a sort of a, a whiff of, wait a second, there was some big money dropped on this fighter here out of nowhere. And that moved the line significantly everywhere else as well. That's when you start thinking, hey, there's something going on here. Out of nowhere, you know, a million dollars gets dropped or something happens and you go, whoa, what? What's going on here? So it could be a one-person situation where, you know what, I'm going to throw the fight and I'm going to put all of my purse and my money and tell all my friends and blah, blah, to put it on my opponent. I'm going to put up a bit of a fight. I'm going to get knocked out, not knocked out, but probably choked out, and then I'm going to collect a huge paycheck. That's when I'm thinking, hey, you know what? There's a fix here. But we're talking about Bellator that has deals with casinos. We have because uh, casinos can get implicated. We got Viacom. Uh, this is on Spike TV. This is this is a dangerous scenario. Um calling a fight a fix is is, you know, the, the, this is not, and I understand it all stems back sometimes. People thinking that have been around the sport a long time, they look back at Japan and Pride and the very beginning of Pride and and the, the whole Takata thing and the Coleman thing and all that other stuff. I get that. But it's a different game right now. I mean, even when the Fertitas were in charge during the Zufa era with the UFC, uh, even now, like, you know, you're not going to get there with these multi-million, billion-dollar companies uh, involved in any sort of fight fixing. I mean, they're, it's, it's, I, I don't buy it. So um, people that said that, you know what, Sean, we're going to hear it all day, every day, every single event. It never ends. Anytime, I mean, if you've never been in a fight, if you've never been choked unconscious or had an elbow or just submitted or tapped or or fatigued yourself during a regular mixed martial arts warm-up and realize you still have 45 minutes left in class, you don't know jack about MMA in terms of just watching it, okay? Yeah, there's observers out there that know what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts, but I can tell you there have been people in classes that I've competed in that have tapped out to worse than what Chael Sonnen was under because they just didn't know. Uh, I don't think they yelled fix. They yelled because, oh, my God, I'm in big trouble. So people that are watching this and yelling fix because of what they saw, settle down. Simmer down, guys. Simmer. I mean, remember, remember what I showed you from the governor of Kentucky saying that a fight was fixed? On the UFC Fight Night 103, he said that held Lozon was a fixed fight. Yeah. How stupid can you be? You appoint these commissioners. You didn't appoint the commissioner over that, but the miseducation is remarkable. Tito Ortiz, he says he's done. The the gloves uh, were on the mat. He's walking away. I I think Elias Theodoro two days ago made a very good point, point when he looked deeper into the camera, looked me and the viewers in the eyes and said, Joe? Everybody has a price. Your thoughts, Sean? Oh, what, for Tito fighting again or somebody throwing yeah. a fight? If yeah. No, 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 no. Not, not throwing a fight. If the right money is offered to Tito Ortiz, all of a sudden, magically, he's no longer retired. Here, here's the, the point, counterpoint to that. Yes, everybody has the price. For the right price, I'll fight Tito. But... <laughs> Here, here's another thing that I think a lot of people are underestimating. 
how big is Tito Ortiz's ego? It's maybe the biggest we've ever seen in MMA history. Like, he has the most ridiculous ego. And if he goes out on a loss, well, here's the thing. He might, like, take a can. He might take a fight and then take a can to ensure his uh, a final win if he doesn't win another fight. But I think he will absolutely have to go out on a win for his peace of mind so he doesn't go absolutely crazy. I mean, we saw it in the lead-up, how seriously he takes himself. And maybe that's a benefit, maybe it isn't, but geez, man, like his, I think his ego might prevent him possibly coming back and risking a loss. Dear Tito Ortiz, we are offering you seven digits to fight Fader Oh, of course. And you know what? Tito might win that fight. At this point, Tito might win that fight. So I'm going to side with Elias to say anything is possible, despite that if we were going to put a number on this, we could I'd say never, I had never thought about that fight. I had never thought about that fight. That fight would probably do 3 million viewers on TV. 3, 4 million, maybe. Make that a headline on uh, FightfulMMA.com that if that thing was to happen, uh, we heard it here first. Sean Rossap and Showdown Joe, because I think that is a fight that could potentially happen if... Um, you know, Fader does get past Matt Mitrione, which is a possibility. Uh, we can also see Matt Mitrione absolutely destroy Fader Emelianenko. Um, Chael Sonnen, uh, despite at this very moment his stock value dropping for the most part uh, amongst the mixed martial arts, those within the mixed martial arts bubble, as well as those outside of it, because he is a very popular personality and character in the sport, um, the minute anything can happen potentially with Vanderlei Silva, rest assured, we just need Chael Sonnen to get onto a microphone and he will prove to everybody uh, that whatever happened in that Tito Ortiz fight was a mistake, it was an error, he's much better now, he'll be fine, blah, 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 blah. I don't think this really hurts Chael Sonnen's stock until he gets in front of a microphone again. Your thoughts? Nah, Chael's Chael. He'll sell a fight. That's the beauty of Chael Sonnen is he knows how to come back from losses and make his fights important. For Chael, it's not about the stakes of the fight. It is the fight. It's the fact that he's been trying to fight Vanderlei for so long and hasn't been able to get that fight. Um, If for some reason he ends up fighting Rampage, which who knows? Yeah, I could see Chael Sonnen fighting at heavyweight. Why not? He could make a story out of it. He's really good at that. Like, like he and Tito didn't really have a built-in story. Like, I mean, a year ago, I wasn't like, yeah, I got to see him fight Tito. I got to see that. I have for years said I would really like to see that Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei fight. I'd like to see them finally settle it in the cage. But he can, he can manufacture things like that, especially somehow with people that come from any semblance of a wrestling background. He manufactures some sort of story out of that. He's very, very good at that. He's much better than a lot of people are. Probably anybody is at that. So, yeah, I think he'll, he'll talk some trash. He'll be right back where he was. And he can say, you know what? I needed to get the minutes in. His, the way that he makes excuses – are way better than anybody else's too because he accepts responsibility while making excuses, if that makes any sense. Yep, 100%. 100%. In terms of Bellator, though, um, I, I don't know if that Vanderlei and Chael fight could happen at Bellator because Vanderlei is technically with Ryzen, but he hasn't competed at Ryzen. Mirko Krokop, uh, if you go on Mirko Krokop's Facebook, he wants to absolutely annihilate and destroy quote-unquote, the chicken, Vanderlei Silva, uh, end quote. Um, I, I don't know what the deal is with Vanderlei right now. He wasn't at the last Ryzen event for me to speak with him. Uh, I remember Krokop saying, you better not show up here because I will slap you and all that stuff. But we expected him to show up. Um, kind of weird that Vanderlei wasn't there and, and Crazy Horse Bennett wasn't able to get into the country. But, um, yeah. Bellator in general. Uh, actually, before Bellator in general, I want to talk about King Mola Wall, uh, Rampage Jackson 2, <laughs> Do you like this fight? Do you think uh, whatever? Or what about, I mean, the awesomeness that is King Mo ripping apart Rampage and his weight and some of the stuff that we're seeing online and the actual coolness of Rampage basically laughing at it saying, oh my God, what? You're saying, oh, we, we haven't even started promoting this fight yet and you're ripping me already. What, what's going on here, right? So uh, a lot of cool stuff happening there. But do you like this fight? And so far we've got some pretty interesting buildup. The thing about King Mo 
is you never know what kind of fight you're going to get out of King Mo. It'll be really exciting, or it'll be one of the most boring fights you've ever seen in your entire life, depending on who he's facing. That Quentin Rampage-Jackson fight, that first one, was a horrible fight. It was a horrible fight. Uh, To the point where I felt no remorse for King Mo losing because of how boring he he helped make that fight. Um, you know, that's, that's just how he is. He's either going to the scorecards or there, there was a while where he waited until the third round to knock out a couple people. And it's, it's, it's so hit or miss with him. This seems like the rampage of old. I think he really is just here to ca- get a check now. And he's okay with that. He's like, no more cutting no 205, not doing that. I'm just going to make my money, have some fun. Do you remember how fun Quentin Rampage Jackson was 10 years ago? Now, he oh, was yeah. in his prime. But he was just a blast. He was entertaining. He was one of those guys that you would look at and say, well, if he crossed over to pro wrestling, that's a magnetic personality. By the time he did, five, six years later, he was so tainted and jaded and just not happy with life and all this stuff, and it didn't work out well. It didn't work out well for King Mo either. Uh, because that was another guy people were like, oh, he wears a crown and a, and a robe. He's charismatic. No, not really. Not really. He's very introverted if you ever see him in interviews. He doesn't seem like he likes to talk to people. Um, he seems like he's almost bothered to discuss anything, if you know what I mean. He always turns his face away from the camera. and it's We're seeing a tale of... We're seeing two different personalities from two different guys, and they're almost at a crossroads where Rampage Jackson has accepted the fact that his best days are behind him. I don't think King Mo has, and King Mo's are. I mean, he's, he's still going to get some good wins, but his best days are probably behind him. I don't like the idea of watching this fight, Joe, but I like the idea of them booking this fight. That's a weird you closed off on a very weird analogy, right? Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm in the same boat, like the old school MMA guy in me is going to watch. Right. But the, the new school is like, you know what? Like there might be a hockey game on there. There might be <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe my son wants to play basketball. We bought him a new little basketball set that we could, you know, it's one of those NBA, you know, how many times you have, you have 30 seconds to get those little mini balls in the hoop. I'd rather do that. Right. But, you know, as part of my job, I got to watch it. And it's just like, no, nah. uh, but you never know, right? Like you said, you just never know what kind of fight we're going to get. Um, I want to ask you a, um, a strange question as you were talking about your last answer and, and just the ratings at the beginning of the show. It seems weird. Now, are there people in the media uh, and we'll say play-by-play industry in this sport and other sports that that I'm not a big fan of Sean. You could make, you could say, yeah, maybe. I mean, I could probably put them in all like count on one hand the people that I, I don't think are good human beings, but they're very good at what they do, and that I could actually learn from and say, you know what, I don't mind when this person does that. I, I should probably put that into my repertoire. Um, it, it, that's just life. I, I don't have a, a big enough ego to care who somebody is, whether I dislike them or not, or whether they've been a bad person. If they do a good job, I'm going to pay attention to see if I can learn from it. Can the UFC potentially learn from what Bellator has done with these types of fights? And or you know, one of the, the UFC is the big show, and Bellator would always kind of have to learn from the UFC and or not replicate, but at least do something similar to continue doing what they're doing. Can, can the UFC look at something that Bellator does of this nature and say, hmm, interesting, we should do that as well? I think Bellator kind of learned from the UFC and pride in doing that. Maybe even more even more the UFC because I don't remember the Bell- Bellator doing this a lot. I mean, maybe I'm not remembering. Before like CM Punk was signed and that explosion of interest, um, James Tony versus Randy Couture, uh, an aging Hoist Gracie versus... Anybody that that the UFC put him in the hoodie fight, Matt Hughes. Yeah. So I mean, we everybody knew the score there. Royce Gracie wasn't winning that fight, but casual fans didn't know that. I was just gonna say it's that's bang on. I was I remember watching that fight with a boatload of casual fans, and they're like, "All right, Royce Gracie's back. He's gonna now that we're really gonna see what it's like." Matt Hughes is going down, and I was in the room looking around, going, "Oh boy, these people are gonna be very upset. Maybe I should sit." at the back when and, this is over and get out of here 
that helped make a name for Matt Hughes among casual fans too, because most casual fans and hey, Matt Hughes is one of those people who I think is a detestable person, but hey, he made a name off of Hoist Gracie. Uh, by the way, Hallett Gracie, that was one of the worst fights I've seen in my entire life. That was disrespectful. That was horrible. Uh, James Lynch had mentioned, mentioned everybody in Metamoris who has a bounce check is rooting for him to lose. I was like, they should root for him to win so he can pay them so he can get that win bonus. But either way, yeah, I think that this is an okay thing for Bellator. What I don't think is okay. And Hey, I'm a big Melvin Gillard fan. I named one of my cats after him. For Christ's <laughs> sakes. But Bellator is at the, the stage where Melvin Gillard versus Chidi Injakwani should not be headlining shows. Melvin Gillard, I, I love to watch him. I'll, I'll watch him fight every day in a co-main event fight. Or, hey, if a title's on the line, I'll watch him fight in a title fight. They have, what, six, seven, eight titles maybe? They have people like Sonnen and Tito and Fedor and... Mitrione, they have names that people know. That Ben Henderson. I don't get it. I know they try to save them for the tent pole shows, but these guys are fighting once or twice a year. You can do better than this if you want sustainable. And this, hey, this would be a good weekend to do it too. There's a lot of attention on wrestling and combat sports this weekend. You got a bunch of WWE shows. You got a UFC show. Why not kick off that weekend with a big, big, nice? Bellator show, but you got some okay names like Melvin Gillard and David Rickles and AJ McKee. But outside of Melvin Gillard, there ain't a damn person that anybody knows on that show, really. Like outside of hardcore fans. It's, I don't know. I think they could do better. Where's Stefan Bonner? Throw Stefan Bonner on there against some geezer. Oh, I think the world is done with Stefan Bonner, to be honest with you. Come on. He can show up all tan and roided out like he did before that Silva fight. He, he looked ready to head over to Japan and do some pro wrestling. And I think he actually was. I think he was training. He was tan. He was on Drostanalone or whatever the hell he was on. He was juiced to the nine. And he didn't even care. He's like, you know what? This is it. I've won three straight fights. They won't give me a good fight. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. And I'm going to run with this bag of money. I'm going to lose my commentary job. Who cares? That infamous picture of him in the middle of the Brazil Open workouts flexing like this. You know what that screamed afterwards? Uh, snake, snake in the grass. Anazalal. Yeah. Well, snake in the grass is my segue because the Ultimate Fighter 25, Cody Garbrandt, and TJ Dillashaw have revealed their coaches for the Ultimate Fighter. And I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic because on one side, Garbrandt's side, you've got Uriah Faber. On Dillashaw's side, you do have um, uh, Dwayne Ludwig. You also have Danny Castillo on Garbrandt's side. And he's already posting stuff online via his Instagram just rocking the boat like crazy. You also have Matt Brown on Dillashaw's side, Elliot Marshall. Uh, this is going to be extremely, extremely, in my opinion, pretty on the eyes and the ears. Uh, in my, I, I, well, listen, am I done with the Ultimate Fighter? I was done a while ago, but this one here uh, has my attention strictly because we're going to see beef. We are going to see potentially, and if I, sw- I swear to God, Sean, I, sh- I shouldn't say it like that. I swear to you, Sean, if by episode two or three, I don't see these coaches drama or something happening on the show, I'm done because I'm not stupid. I've done television for a very long time. I know how to tease. The tease is one of the most important things in television. And if you're teasing drama and I don't see drama by episode two or three, I'm out. There are a few situations that can make me interested in the ultimate fighter. Uh, it being for a title, like the strawweight season, I'm interested. You got the, you got something on the line. A title shot, like the flyweights. Cool. I'm okay with that. Heavyweights, because you never know who could emerge as a contender out of a group of heavyweights. They could have had Francis Ngannou on there last year. He could have won the show or been knocked out in the first round, considering how heavyweights go. That'll do it. Uh, veterans who have proven that they can get it done in the cage. That's what they're doing here. Or, you know, if you had an, a season full of undefeated fighters, that might interest me as well because it's guys who haven't been previously tested perhaps and 
You're testing them. Sadly, my boy, Gerald Harris, won't be on this season. He tore his Achilles tendon days before he was set to fly out and meet with UFC people. That hurts the show for me because he's a guy that um, I was looking forward to seeing. But this Garbrandt-Dillashaw angle, we're going to get a lot of stories that haven't emerged yet. Like we've heard. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly. We're going to get a lot of, because we've heard Garbrandt knocked out Dillashaw. We've heard it. And Dillashaw's like, well, that doesn't matter. Well, it does a little. It does a little bit. Um, You got Dwayne Ludwig. You got Uriah Favor. Ooh. Ooh. Man. You know what they need to start doing for International Fight Week is to, like, line up their own submission underground or, like, like kickboxing matches or anything like that or maybe, like, low-impact MMA because I would love to watch just Uriah Faber and Dwayne Ludwig slug it out. I would love to. <laughs> like, just to promote. <laughs> I would love it. Or, hey, have Ronda Rousey grapple some absolute scrub and have her tap him out. I'll talk about women versus men here in a little bit. But, yeah, this ultimate fighter, interesting angle. One of the better angles they've had in recent memory. I'll never forget when I was in uh, Sacramento. It was one of maybe in my second last or third last show that I ever did, uh, you know, UFC Central with Sportsnet. And it was, it was, you know, we were there covering the uh, TJ Dillashaw versus um, Hannah Burrell fight, which ended up being the Joe Soto fight, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Uriah was my co-host, and it was in around that time, and it was I think the last week that. Ludwig was going to be teaching or and or being making an appearance there and I was there with the cameras uh, and Uriah was my co-host for the full 30 minutes and there was Dwayne Ludwig who's been a friend of mine for years I went Dwayne I, I, I met Dwayne the very first time when he took out Jens Pulver in a UCC event way 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 back when so I've known Dwayne for a long time and I've known Uriah for a while and you know I'm sitting there and I'm like oh and then Uriah wouldn't tell me anything on camera, obviously. Dwayne wouldn't tell me anything on camera when I was actually when I was doing both of them afterwards for the radio show. But as soon as those cameras went off, Sean, I started hearing things where I'm like, oh boy, I can't go public with this, can't go public with that, this, this, and that. Uh, and then eventually stuff started coming out. As we all know, that people are, or the, the Alpha Male guys are basically saying, uh, you know, Dwayne came in there to make a name for himself only. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. His his end result, his end goal was to go back to Colorado with that name that he builds, courtesy Team Alpha Male, to open up his gym, calling him a snake in the grass. And then you and TJ Dillashaw coming up through Uriah Faber, uh, and eventually following Dwayne Ludwig. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going back and forth, and then Dwayne saying things about Team Alpha Male and Uriah. So the reason why I do like this show is, like you said, we're going to see. And here, things that we've been just trying to get out, and then again, it's up to the editors uh, and the um, and the cast over at Fox or the uh, the production staff at Fox to determine 
what they will air and what they won't air, but this could get real pretty. I'd be paying attention to a lot of Instagrams. Uh, I don't know what they're allowed to show. It's going to be very minimal, but Instagram, you know, Facebook, Twitter accounts from people on the show, but it's going to be fantastic in my opinion. I can't wait for it to go down. Yeah, I'm more interested in that. I mean, I won't watch the show through. I will watch every single fight because I'm interested in, like I said, these are people who have proven that they could do it or have been at a higher level before. So I'm interested yeah, sorry, in that. Sorry, take away nothing from the cast. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're 100% correct. Take nothing away from the cast. Sorry. And I'll watch, I'll probably watch Tough Talk or whatever it is they do afterwards. I probably won't watch the show because I can find out what they're going to say on Tough Talk without sitting through the BS. And <laughs> sorry, <laughs> what's going on? Now? Oh, <laughs> All right then. Sorry, hold on, hold on, so you can see what I'm laughing at. <laughs> this just popped up on my timeline. I opened it up. <laughs> I see that. I read that last week, or no, I read that two or three days ago. And Elias actually commented, or actually made a comment about it on his uh, timeline. Like, what do you like? What do you do, Sean? Honestly, what do you do when you see and read that kind of stuff? Because you're just kind of like, okay. Uh, that got pushed down the queue for us this week, apparently, and it was under a different headline. <laughs> and I hadn't edited that one. And it's a good thing that I didn't because I wouldn't have been able to make it to this podcast because I would have died of laughter. Um, oh, gosh. Sorry. That put me in a really great mood. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, my, at my advanced age, it's taken me – a while, because when I was in my 20s and, dare I say, my 30s, I would have no issue stopping what I'm doing and debating with somebody and, quote-unquote, <laughs> arguing with somebody regarding something they may have said or done or, or just even no matter how stupid they were, I would engage them. Now, dare I say, in my early 40s, when something stupid is said around me, and this happened two days ago uh, at a local venue in the in the town that I live in, Pearson probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. If he's watching the show, sometimes you're at a bar or you're an establishment, and some guy or girl is saying something so stupid that you just look over, and as you get older, you realize I'm not no. I'm not going to get involved in this one. Yep. You're stupid, and you're just going to continue to spiral into your valley of stupidness. And you stupid people, stupid people don't realize that they're stupid. They think that they're right. Like open-minded people can be educated, but there are some stupid people who want to remain stupid. They want to live in their own stupidity. And if here's the thing, Joe, when I argue, like I argue, argue, like on social media or something. Use common sense, you avoid generalizations, and you use facts. And you almost can't come out looking like a dumbass. When people use rash generalizations, whether it's politics, whether it's the fight game, whether it's pro wrestling, they make assumptions, hypotheticals, allegations that aren't backed by facts. A lot of times you come out looking like a real we'll – st we'll stick with the theme, scrub. Yeah, Scrum. and for those that don't know, you should follow um, Sean uh, at Sean Ross Sapp because he does go off on times, uh, not in a negative way, but I just sit there and I generally, and it's, I don't know if it's the freaking Canadian in me or what it is, if it's just my background, whatever, I feel sorry for people sometimes. I'm like, just stop. You're getting a beating. You're being verbally, uh, like, just destroyed. It's just, Sean's beating you. Stop. Just stop <laughs> replying. And, you know, I, I got some stuff earlier today, Sean, that I read and I was kind of like, Wow, you don't like me. You hate me. Not you, but the person that oh, was... I was going to say, what? No, no. So I, I got ripped apart, and I was just looking, and I'm like, oh, wow, you don't... like. How bad is your life that you've got to take a shot at me like that? And Okay, no problem. You're a fake account of another fake account, and you don't like me. Okay. Well, I think that's how I got verified on Twitter is because people trolled me by making fake accounts of me. And I was like, man... 
the amount of time one must have in a day to make multiple fake Sean Ross Sapp accounts on Twitter. Did you see Angela Man. Hill's account? Some guy continually changes and creates new accounts, and then she's putting like, and she flat out used quote Angela the C word, the four letter C word. Angela C word sucks, and I'm like, this guy's running out of stuff to say, and I'm like, oh my god, Angela, you're crazy. That's hilarious. Like, what, like why are these people doing this? Like, don't you have anything better to do? Like when, like in my younger years, and. Uh, Eventually, I'll be a guest. There's this show called Talking Sheet that basically covers the journalism of wrestling. And I'll expand on this story because it's the kind of thing that we would talk about on there. I was a very unsatisfied, unhappy person because my thing is I always knew I was capable of working in MMA and pro wrestling journalism. But I was too scared of my own failures to get off my ass and do it. And there are a lot of people like that that think that the job that people do are easy, whether it's fighting, whether it's writing, whether it's anything. They think it's like the easiest thing and they can do it. But for whatever reason, maybe they're not motivated. Maybe they, they are, they're afraid of failure like I was. And they take it out on people. I did that to one person in particular. That person reached out to me and said, where's the beef? I don't have a problem with you. Why do you have a problem with me? And it completely changed my outlook from then on. Made me a positive person. So, I mean, maybe those people need that. Maybe, but I mean, it's not Angela Hill's responsibility when somebody is putting, making troll accounts to say, hey, where's the beef? I don't mind you because she probably does mind them. She mm-hmm. probably doesn't like them. Uh, it's a much different situation than I was in, but how much time in the day can you have? Oh, we, we've had people, Joe, that have like seven or eight YouTube accounts that will sign into all of them to thumbs down stuff. What? Oh yeah. Oh, Come yeah. on. Jimmy Van was worried one day. He I'm calling him out for it, but he was like, We've got like a billion dislikes. And I was like, it's the same person, Jimmy. They were in our chat, they were talking trash. Yeah. Is that what oh god? Part of my ignorance, ladies and gentlemen, who are watching this podcast as we speak or who will watch this after we post it uh elsewhere. I'm sorry, but my ignorance sometimes gets the best of me. I can't believe people would actually do that. Uh I should be more of a uh it's I don't I wouldn't call it me being naive, but more or less like I I just like the goodness in people. I didn't realize people would go that low. Like when I read some of the stuff about me, uh, even like weeks or months later, I'm like, Oh my God, people are talking about me in this manner. Like what, like what did I do? I just simply want to show up and do my job, call fights. And you know, I, I poke fun at myself all the time, all the time, Sean, like that is a Japanese last name. It's a first name and a last name. You practice it and you practice <laughs> it. You get the right, you, you nail it. And then next thing you know, I go live and I call them Sap or Smith or John. And I'm hey, like, what am I doing? I did I commentary one time and there was a guy named Mahoy and he, he was one of those guys that would pretend like his whole team was like, no, we're in the zone. Don't ask us any questions. I was like, okay. I get out there and me and my broadcast partner called him Maho for three rounds. And boy, did we have fun with it. Yes. That, that would be comical. Uh, definitely. But yeah, there's uh, I, I, I do, I, Sean, what can I say, man? Like, I mean, is do I go out there and try and do the best I can to be as perfect as I can whenever I call fights? Yes, 100%. But I'm human. And I, I learned to, to, when I do Ryzen shows, stay focused. Do not let your producer, be it producer sitting to your right, executive producer sitting to their right, and or director to their right, confuse you by saying, hey, there's Nakamura. Do you remember Nakamura? Meanwhile, you've got two fighters that are Japanese fighting in front of you, and now the word Nakamura keeps coming out when you're talking about one of the fighters, and neither one of them is male. So <laughs> I'll kind of just let that go out there. But that's all my fault. It's 100% my fault, but it is what it is. You know what You know what helps a guy like me? Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll, we'll get to that in another show. We, we are running out of time here only because uh, we do have some stuff to take care of. Uh, I want to get to this UFC on Denver card, and maybe we'll kind of speak yeah. through it. Uh, on this preliminary card, Bantamweight fight between Rafael Asuncao and Aljamain Sterling. There are people that are fluctuating back and forth, trying to determine who they who they believe will emerge victorious. I am still leaning towards Asuncao in this scrap. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Asuncao uh, has seen it all, and he actually he said as much in a recent interview. Aljamain Sterling's still a little bit raw to me. Like he's got a lot of tools, but 
he's just he's got to refine them. And hey, we've all seen it. We've all seen where those fighters can sometimes just take that leap from raw talent to refined, awesome technical greatness. I think that if if Aljamain Sterling has turned that corner, then he's going to beat a Sun Sal. If not, then a Sun Sal may chew him up. But I don't know. We that that's another thing, Joe. We haven't really seen a Sun Sal perform well in over two years because TJ Dillashaw ate him up, and for the for like two years prior, he was out with a pretty rough ankle injury. Yeah, and having an ankle injury and coming back in this division. Like I said before he fought Dillashaw, that could be bad news because footwork is so important in this division. And if you're rolling around with a broken wheel, it could be bad news. Smile Sam Elvey taking on Nate Marquardt. Uh, I gave up on Nate Marquardt a while ago. I don't know what will happen whenever he competes, although I do love when he competes. Don't get me wrong. I've been watching him since his pancreas days, uh, which was a long time ago. But Smile Sam Elvey, uh, you know, don't, he doesn't knock out as many people as people think he does. But he does bring some ruggedness in those fists, uh, and I do think he will emerge victorious. But I will put that little caveat there, the asterisk, and say, Nate Marquardt seems to prove me wrong a lot. Yeah, this is a very good fight for Sam Alvey uh, because, hey, he wins. That's a former Strikeforce champion that a lot of people know about, even though Sam Alvey's Facebook game is trash that I see on my friend Chris Curtis's uh, comments all the time, but uh, <laughs> Sam Alvey, man, that dude—he'll fight anybody. He, he will. Yes, he doesn't care. Like, yeah, D- Derek Brunson, Elias Theodore, back to back. I don't care if I'm on a three-fight winning streak. Throw him at me, and he's on another three-fight winning streak. And the thing is, I don't, I don't know. He just—he just like. He emerged in 2014, 2015, dropped those two fights, and then it's like, well, he's just right back. Here he is again, three-fight winning streak again, Nate Morcart. I like this fight for him, but Nate Morcart can put you out. He can put you out, but that's the thing. So can Sam Alvey. That's, that's, that's the interesting aspect of this fight. It could be boring for two and a half rounds, then boom, lights out. See ya. Correct. Now, we go into the opening bout of the main card. Uh, Alice Caceres taking on who Adam Martin described very well, should have a nickname as Fight of the. Jason, Fight of the Night, uh, always seems to impress a lot of people because he's just got this spectacular style. But I'm still leaning towards Bruce Leroy in this fight. Not many people are agreeing with me. Uh, Your thoughts on this one? I am. I think Alice Caceres is extremely underrated. Um, this is not the Bruce Leroy that we knew a few years ago who was you – know, well, here's the thing. He he went on that really awesome streak. He beat like Demacio Page and DeLorme and Sergio Pettis, that magnificent comeback over Sergio Pettis that showed grit and determination and perseverance that we had not seen out of Alex Caceres before. Then they were like, okay, we're going to give you favor. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. tough. That's a tough one. Uh, And he went on a downslide, and he shouldn't have lost to Francisco Rivera. I think if they fight today, I think Alex Caceres tears him up. But uh, I think he's very underrated. It's just sometimes he gets those matchups that aren't – he's got flaws that probably won't be corrected, but he's going to be a good gatekeeper in that division. Uh, I love the fight with Yair Rodriguez. That was awesome. I think this fight could be just as good as that fight. I am leaning towards uh, Alex Caceres, though, but uh, I'm not counting Jason Knight out by by any means, but I think Caceres has a little bit I, – I, when I watch Jason Knight fight, I, I think of a younger – like a, a young Alex Caceres, somebody who could be beaten with experience. And even though he's fought 15 times – or 17 times, I think he can be. And he's been in the game a long time, but he's really, really aggressive, almost to the point where he leaves holes – that people can expose. Um, the, the one thing that I've learned, as I mentioned over the years, is I used to put all this pressure on myself, Sean, to be right, to be correct, to make sure when you do fight predictions or you analyze fights that you are 100% correct. And I quickly realized I can't predict the future. And I quickly realized a long time ago, uh, prior to George St. Pierre getting popped by Matt Sarah and losing that title, that you know what? A fight's a fight. Anything can happen. 
and okay to be wrong. No one's going to remember except that one person that dedicates their life to finding out that you were wrong and keep probably keeps a tab of me somewhere. I've never met them yet or heard it, but Francis Ngannou taking on Andre Arlovsky. There is nothing that tells me Andre Arlovsky is going to win this fight. I don't like the safety me- measures that could be taken by a mixed arts referee protecting a fighter that Francis Ngannou is going to be facing. Ngannou is, I mean, and screw you, my partner, Kamaru Usman, for posting that picture in good faith when in reality makes me look so tiny next to Ngannou. Uh, my boy Kush always has... Yeah, because you're not tiny compared to Ngannou or anything, right? Like, he just cushes the man. He knows how to get me. I think he did mean it in good faith, but I'm like, I saw the pic. Don't post that one. No, you did it again. Like, like I'm here. And Ngannou's like, like, oh, my God. All right. Anyways, um, Ngannou versus Orlovsky, Sean, is just, I'm legit worried. Not for Orlovsky's life, but just the beating he's going to get. It's funny you mentioned that picture. I think I actually found it. That you're about to post right now. Thank you. That's great. No, no. This is the picture of you next to Francis Ngannou, right? This right here. This is this is you, and this is Francis Ngannou, right? That's that's the picture. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, you're correct. Yeah, uh, man, Ngannou. There, there's a a person. His name is Abu. Really respect his opinion. One of those people I grew up just talking crap with on Twitter about MMA fights, and he's like, "And I think Ngannou is going to be the UFC champion in 2007 or 2018." I was like, "Man, he might be by the end of 2017. He could he could be fighting for a title by the end of this year. If he wins in January, wins again like March or April, there's no reason why Francis Ngannou can't fight for a title." At the end of the year, there's no reason. That being said, how many times has Andrei Olovsky been counted out? Too many times. Way too many times. Do you remember a few years ago when people acted, they were offended that Andrei Olovsky was even re-signed? 100%. That a guy who won like seven or, or had one loss in seven or eight fights since the UFC, how, or Strike Force, how dare they bring him back? Oh, and what happened? Bigfoot, see ya. Schaub, see ya. Travis Brown, see ya. Frank Mir, later. You cannot count him out. He is a valuable asset to that division. 37 years old? Yeah. Jaw suspect? Oh, yeah. Sure is. Every heavyweight's jaw is suspect. They're giant human beings. Like I said, Francis Ngannou could win this fight in 10 seconds. He could lose this fight in 10 seconds. This is the same Andre Arlovsky that knocked out Paul Buentello so quickly that nobody in the audience knew what happened. And the crowd chanted, bullshit. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. And then, and then Joe Rogan had to say, ah, there's no bullshit in that right hand. Sorry. That's that same guy. Is he more seasoned? He sure is. But uh, he is just a year and a half removed from beating Travis Brown and Frank Mir. So I will not count on Dryolovsky out. Do I think Ngannou will win? I sure as hell do. I have, Joe, I work with double wrist lock specialists. I worked with the greatest double wrist lock guy of all time in Billy Robinson. Very rarely have I seen anything quite like what he did to Anthony Hamilton. Has Billy seen that submission? I'm I'm sure when Billy passed there was so much knowledge that went with him. Uh well I'm like he Billy Robinson passed away. He didn't see that submission, but he never like I only got to work with him like once, but my coach oh, I thought you meant recently. I, you you kind of lost me no, there for no, a no. second. Billy Robinson worked with my coaches several times. That's not you can teach that, but man, to execute it in a UFC fight at that level, at the UFC level brute strength and technique and he just ripped you don't see that a lot you don't see that a lot that's impressive and a guy who didn't even really know what mma was a few years ago absolutely absolutely correct now two guys that have been in the mma game for a very long time will be competing uh in saturday's co-main event and donald Ooh. cerrone 
and hey, Masvidal, and many people will always look at Masvidal, Jorge, George, whatever you want to call him, will always say he will fight solely to what his opponents give him. On Saturday night, he is going to have to fight. And now the, the bad blood between these two is now beginning to come out with Donald Cerrone not backing down from some of the comments that or the responses given to Masvidal for Masvidal saying, this guy's taking two of my opponents. Uh, two big fights were given to me, and instead they gave him to Cowboy. And now Cowboy will have to pay and pay with interest. And then Cowboy is basically saying, dude, shut up. <laughs> I love Donald Cerrone. I love watching him fight. I love Masvidal. I love watching him fight. I'm, I will be at NXT TakeOver during this show. This is the fight. I'm, this is the thing outside of the Royal Rumble match itself this weekend. This is the thing I'm most excited for. And you know, maybe watching Matt Riddle wrestle. But Cerrone Masvidal is such a... That's a Fox fight. That is a... When you say... What would you want to put on Fox to get people to watch the UFC? Cerrone versus Masvidal. Ain't no way that's going to be bad. It's not going to be bad. My question is, how far, how, how much can you ask of Donald Cerrone after this before you start giving him title shot consideration? Because you got Damian Maya waiting in line. It would make a lot of sense for me When's that show? 209? Well, he flat out said once he gets past Masvidal, he wants Maya or Robbie Lawler on that fight show or on that pay-per-view that Woodley and um, Thompson are rematching. He should. And the UFC should want that too. That way, if Woodley or Thompson get hurt, slide one of those guys right up in there, just fine. Um I think that Damian Maya Donald Cerrone is a very high level fight. Um, I think Donald Cerrone's winning against Masvidal, but it's one of those things, man. Like you used to be able to call Cerrone inconsistent. Hey, Dana White did. Not anymore. Well, the one thing, I mean, take nothing away from Masvidal because if he wins, he it throws a curveball into this division. Directly, uh, but at the same time, Cerrone defeating Masvidal and potentially getting Maya uh, on that card would be absolutely sick. Because, uh, as we know, we've got Reed Kuhn tomorrow joining me, uh, and there's no better mathematical analyst in a sport today. Uh, and I think yes. Damian Maya has been hit four times in the past 87 fights. Like, I mean, it's it's stupid how amazing this guy is able to use old school jujitsu, modernize it. Uh, I'm not saying he's Crone Gracie because Crone Gracie does his thing in, in, in Ryzen, but Damian Maya revolutionizing the game. Like because you cannot hey, hit me. If, if more, Hey, ju- how long ago was it where people were like jujitsu, not as effective as it once was. And it's hard to argue with them. You, how many people do you see pulling guard today? You don't. If you do that, you're pretty much conceding the fight. He doesn't do that. He uses his world-level jujitsu to not get hit, and his age isn't a factor. His experience is, but his age isn't. It's unbelievable what he's been able to do to revolutionize the game for at least him. Nobody else, just him, but yeah. Only on the Fightful MMA podcast can you go from talking about the co-main event between Donald Cerrone and Masvidal and appreciating Damian Maya. Let's move on to the main event. <laughs> this sport, or shall I say organization, the Open Fighting Championship, began in the city of Denver in November of 1993. Lo and behold, the main event in Denver will now be ladies. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Juliana Pena in a pivot, pivotal pivotal fight at 135 pounds, especially if Ms. Pena wins this fight. Even if Shevchenko wins this fight, I think it's going to be fantastic. I respect and understand that you said this is a Fox fight or, or the co-main event is the fight that you're looking forward to, as am I. But these two ladies will leave everything in that octagon. I cannot wait to see it. And I was just in Miami with Amanda Nunes circling the Titan Arena in there, the Watsko Center, uh, a rock star in between fights. Uh, you know damn well she's paying a very close attention to this fight here. Uh, how do you see these two ladies shaken down in Denver? Pointless, a farce. It's worthless. Betch Kohea is the best fighter in the world. So why even? Why even do the fight? Why and even we wrap do up it? the podcast, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? That arm puncher. That arm puncher has has the balls to say that. Get out of here, Betch Kohea. Um, here's the situation UFC's in. 
if Shevchenko wins, she got beat by Amanda Nunes less than a year ago, like last March. That sucks. I, I don't think you can run. They will, but I don't think you can run that back so quick. Uh, if Juliana Pena wins, I don't know if I want to hear her do interviews again <laughs> for the next four months because I'm getting a little sick of hearing it. Uh, is she a fantastic competitor? She sure is. Seven wins in a row, uh, including the Ultimate Fighter. She deserves to say it. Now, to say that Ronda Rousey was ducking her and all that stuff, I don't believe that. I don't believe any of that. But, hey, if that improves her narrative, good for her. I don't know that anybody really believes it. Maybe her most hardcore fans. But if she loses this fight, mm, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. I wonder how she'll react if she loses. That's true. Very true. It could get really ugly. I understand what you're saying about you don't want to hear interviews. She does have a certain her her obnoxious. Okay, all right then. Um, I was great competitor, fantastic operating on a different frequency when she speaks. Not exactly in tune with what people do or do not want to hear. You're just kind of like, oh, what? Okay, You you earn what you can get and what you take and. Hey, are you you deserve what you earn and what you get and what you take. And she's trying. I'll give her that much. She's doing her best to get that. It's just she hasn't got it. Other people, other people are around. Other people are going to get stuff. Do you just, remember the Battlegrounds show, the tournament that Honan Canero won, Jukau won, and Cody McKenzie was in that tournament? Well, in Cody McKenzie's yeah. corner was Juliana Pena, and I got to meet Juliana Pena uh, at that show, and a bunch of us went out afterwards. And I could tell you, uh, flat out, I would not want to mess with this girl. Uh, oh, no. and, and she's a badass. She's a beauty, extremely smart. But when a microphone or camera gets in front of her sometimes when she's promoting her fights, I'm not talking about her commentary for, for uh, Combate America. I'm just talking about in general for her own fights. I do understand why people are like, what? What's, what's what? Fantastic competitor. Speaking of not wanting to mess with it. Hey, by the way, if Shevchenko wins, I think Pennington should get that title shot. I do. Um, but <laughs> did you see the video of Caitlin Chikagan beating no. the living shit? <laughs> Out of Robbie Fox. Robbie Fox, a great, great dude on Twitter. He's an intern for Barstool Sports, and he sold it. He knew it. Like, he was like, you know what? She lost her last fight. A lot of people thought she didn't. Uh, I thought she lost. I thought she sucked. Then it got in her face, and he's like, I'm going to fuck you up. And she tapped him out, I think, 19 times in a couple of rounds. There was this hilarious part where he tried to climb out of the cage to get away from her. Then, then at the very end, he's like, okay, throw strikes. And she immediately head kicked him and oh. dropped him. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It was a fantastic stuff. It's on the site. Uh, and plus, you can go track down Robbie Fox on Twitter, man. That guy is very entertaining. And that was – hey, Caitlin Chikagan. That's why it bothers me when people are like, yeah, that woman in the UFC – I could probably tap her out. Ah, I doubt it. Caitlin Chukagan isn't even top 15, and she just... You have no idea how <laughs> many guys have come to me over the years. And this is before the UFC was big. I'm talking like maybe Gina Carano days with Strikeforce, and guys are saying, I would smash that woman if I ever had a chance to spar with her. And I'd just be like... Whatever deity you believe in, you better go pray that that never happens. <laughs> Sean, before we let you go, any good word for the people uh, that are tuning in right now for those that will be uh, watching a little bit later on? Live coverage of everything this weekend. Bellator, UFC, uh, Royal Rumble, NXT, Evolve. All of it. We got podcasts. One of our editors has got some stuff going on right now that I can't really talk about. Good stuff. So, uh the teams, well, we'll see how they end up, the podcast teams. I will be in San Antonio. If you were there, drop me a line. Also follow these Twitter accounts for wrestling, MMA-specific uh, content as well as uh, all-encompassing. Visit Fightful.com. Share it. Share our stories. It means a lot to us. 
Boom. There you have it. Make sure you give him a follow at Sean Rossap. Keep an eye on him, ladies and gentlemen. Tweet him, message him, keep him safe because he will be with Matt Riddle. Uh, we don't like when <laughs> Sean gets onto uh, any sort of flights. It does make us all nervous, but we do want him back. He will not be with me, unfortunately, on Saturday. Uh, I will endeavor to figure out who that will be, and it'll be someone uh, you already know or perhaps someone you don't know because I've got some ideas in mind that I will bring up to Mr. Sapp and to Jimmy Van shortly uh, after I take care of some stuff. But I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, much more to come. Don't forget tomorrow, Reed Kuhn and I, 12 p.m. Eastern. I believe it's 12 p.m. 12 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Uh, he will break, help me break down this UC on Denver card with analytics. Very important numbers uh, and a whole bunch. Don't forget, you can follow yours truly, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Showdown Joe. But for now, thank you for, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Don't forget, Fightful MMA for all your mixed martial arts news. Ciao for now. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.